0: Hello, my name is Sarah, and I am your Chakra Coach. On this podcast, we'll be exploring how the chakra system can guide you to grow your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual wellness, leading you closer to your highest self. Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. For listening. I hope that you're doing well. And if you're not doing well, as I know that some of us aren't, I hope you're finding ways to care for yourself or to get the care that you need. I've said it before, but I don't know that being human has ever been simple or easy, but it does feel extra complicated right now. Please remember that you're not alone. You're not. And even when it's hard, I try to remember that so far I've gotten through everything else. Why should this be any exception? All right, so take care of yourselves. My sister and I are still doing the Zaya event over on Instagram. We're talking about the Zaya line of clothing that includes leggings and bras and cute tops and joggers and all those comfortable things that can make us feel good when life gets tough. She has already given away a few gift cards and we'll keep doing that for the next few weeks as well as some fun prizes for some of the lucky people who interact with us during the event. So follow your chakra coach there on Instagram and remember to like or comment if you feel moved to. It's the final yama this week. I've gotten some really nice feedback. It turns out a lot of us haven't learned about the yamas before, so this has been all new information. I remember so clearly learning about them for the first time, oh gosh, over a decade ago at least. Uh, Someone recommended a book, so I just got it without really even thinking about it. And reading it, I just thought, this is so simple and straightforward. It organized the ethical practices that I thought I was doing anyway into sections that I could really examine. And for me, examine was the key word. I was tired of black and white. Do this. Don't do that. This is yes. This is no. I knew from just living in the world that absolutes like that just they just don't work very well. They definitely provide a framework, but they don't leave any room for nuance for times when honesty needs to be tempered with kindness. Times when I knew something wasn't quite right, but just couldn't put my finger on it. You know, in so many traditions, there's no Exploration of what it really means not to steal or live excessively. It's just listen to authority and behave blindly with no internal work required. And that just didn't ever sit right with me. I wanted to live an ethical life, but I wanted to know why and how, not just what or what not. And I'm going to start a series on the niyamas, which are ethical practices for our internal world that really takes all of this to the next level. And I love how there's so much room for understanding in this system, the kind of what works for you that also takes into consideration what works for the people we interact with and the communities we're part of and the world that we live in. It's truly a consideration. The yamas and niyamas hold open the door to this world of ethics and invites you in, but makes no demands. I wonder if that's why this resonates with us so much. Uh, Let me know what you think. You can message me on all the social medias. So, yama number five. In my opinion and experience, All the yamas relate to all the chakras, since they are practices that affect our entire system, both physical and energetic. But this one really speaks to my crown chakra. It's a parigraha. The translation is non-possessiveness, or it could also mean non-attachment, non-clinging, or even just letting go. If you listened to the Manifestation series earlier this year, you may remember that letting go is my absolute favorite part of that process, and it is, to me, a really key part of finding peace and happiness. The Buddhists say that clinging, wanting, desiring is the root of all suffering and that we can only be free when we no longer cling, and that's the core of aparigraha. We all cling to things. We cling to our belongings, to the things we think identify us, to our relationships, our ideas, our beliefs. We cling to life itself. And clinging, grasping, creates desire. A desire to have or keep something or someone. A desire for things to be different than they are. Clinging to the idea that if we just had something, enough money or the perfect partner or a better job, then, then we could be happy. And my favorite, of course, clinging to the idea that if someone else would just act differently, they would just do what we think they should do, then the world would be great and we would no longer suffer. (laughs) And a parigraha says, no, when we release the clinging, the grasping, the possessiveness itself. That's when we start to find peace. Let's start with things, possessions. We just love our stuff. We talked in the episode about brahmacharya, how living in excess doesn't make us truly happy, but we sure do try. We fill our lives with things, believing that one of them will eventually fill the hole inside our hearts and be the thing that makes us fulfilled, that makes us complete. I don't know that we always do it consciously, but it definitely happens. But This is along those same lines. We hold tight to our things. In fact, our things, mine, we possess them. We don't want to let them go or sometimes even share them. Our homes are full of my things. And we try to fill our lives with these things and keeping them keeps our lives full. And it's funny because if we're thinking about it, we realize that's probably not true. The clothes and shoes and fancy kitchen gadgets and electronics and furniture and whatever else we have. Do we really think those things are filling up our souls? Probably not, not consciously anyway, but how do we feel about losing them? What if they were stolen or we misplaced them or everything was lost in a fire? How would we feel about clinging then or even simpler, cleaning out and throwing out? Some of us hold on to things way too long, way too long. We we tell ourselves that we might need it, or it's sentimental, or that it's a memory. Maybe all of that is true. I don't know. And here's the thing. It isn't wrong or evil to have things. It's when what we possess starts to possess us. The things, the having of the things, the keeping of the things, the safety of the things starts to feel more important to us than anything else. We get so upset if our car gets bumped by a shopping cart because now our nice thing now has a scratch. We lose our minds if a child leaves their jacket at school, which encourages the child to believe that possessions are more important than anything. We hate when people touch our stuff. We just cling to these things because some part of us believes that they are what is making us happy or will make us happy if we can just get the right one of it, whatever it is. And a perigraha invites us to ask if that's true. First, to determine if we believe that on some level and then to really explore the truthfulness around it. And I would venture to say that yes, We all believe it to some degree or another. I know I do. If I didn't, I'd leave everything and devote myself fully to just spiritual practices. But I can't see being happy without my comforts. But you say I have people, partners and children and friends and co-workers who need me. I can't walk away from that. True. True. True, we have responsibilities to each other and to the world that need to be fulfilled. I mean, don't up and leave your family to prove how much you can practice a paragraha, but let's just evaluate those relationships in light of not clinging to them. When I was little, uh, early, early elementary school, maybe six or seven years old, a kid at my bus stop had a sticker on his folder. A big purple square with white lettering that read, If you love something, let it go. If it doesn't come back, hunt it down and kill it. I didn't know that wasn't the actual saying. I didn't know this was trying to be funny. All I could think was how horrifying that was. Now, reminder, I was very young, and and all I could think about as far as things that I loved that I could let go The only thing that really fit was my cat. I had a cat that I loved desperately. You know, the way that you can love a pet, especially when you're young. I thought about letting her go and about her not coming back. And I thought about hunting her down and I was just beyond horrified at the idea of hurting her for any reason. And I now know that isn't what the silly sticker was saying, but the idea really struck me and has stuck with me all these years. The actual saying, as you probably know, ends with something like, if it comes back, love it forever. If it doesn't, it was never meant to be. It's about clinging to relationships, about letting go of those that don't work. And there's a lot to be said for that. We hold on We try to possess our relationships. Possession is about control, and that's what we want so much of the time is to control our relationships and the people in them. To me, the saying starts with a false premise anyway. Let it go. If we love someone, let them go. To let them go, we have to be holding on to them, preventing them from leaving on their own. That gives us power over them. Takes away their autonomy. That's what clinging in a relationship is. Trying to possess another person is trying to do control them, control their behaviors, their emotions, what they say. When people talk about partners being clingy, they're almost always talking about the emotional manipulation they feel as another person tries to change what they do and think and feel in the relationship. The work isn't to let the other person go. It's to let go of our need to control the relationship, to control another person. That's the clinging. That's the possessiveness. That's the opportunity to practice this yama. Now, do I think we should let go of caring for our children? Of course not. Of course not. There are certainly physical boundaries that we need to create and enforce for anyone or anything, like a pet, that we're responsible for. We keep them safe. But when we cling to the idea that our children should be a certain way, and I'm not talking about trying to teach your children manners or how to be good citizens or anything like that, but believing that they should be fundamentally a way that they are not, we're attaching ourselves to an outcome that we really have no control over. Nor should we. If your freedom to be your authentic self is valuable to you, we must also respect it in others. We tell our children not to cry, not to feel things, not to be angry, not to express themselves. When we do that, we're trying to control their behavior to make ourselves more comfortable, to make ourselves happy. And again, we're back to trying to possess the relationship. If you love someone, let go of your need to control it might be a better way of thinking of that old saying. When you wish your partner would act differently, let go of that contract in your head that's governing their behavior. Let go of the idea that another person, whatever they do or don't do, is going to make you happy. Unattach from the idea that the relationship itself is responsible for your feelings. That's the depth of a parigraha. And honestly, it's something we'll probably all be working on a very long time. Because we like our attachments to our relationships. Connection does make it easier for us to feel those content, peaceful feelings. I'm a huge proponent. I'm just offering to you in the way of non-attachment that we'll be more likely to feel that way, feel peaceful and content if we let go of our expectations and the disappointment and anger and suffering that inevitably comes with them. We'll just just consider it a long-term project. A very long-term project Let's talk about letting go of situations. (laughs) Every week I hear from people looking for change in their lives. They feel like something better is out there, that what they have now isn't working. It it could be a relationship, it could be a job, it could be where they live. It doesn't matter what it is, but there's a deep sense that the next step could be huge and life-changing and amazing. And they would please like the next step to be stable, fully defined, all the logistics worked out and every last detail in place before they take it. Because they don't want to let go of what they already possess until the next set of possessions is well in hand. And preparation and planning is all well and good, of course, but there will always be unknowns when we make a change. What happens is we cling to the known Even if it's not great. Because letting go before we have something new to cling to is scary. I read a description of this once using trapeze artists as an analogy. The performer has to let go. Completely, fully, trusting, completely let go of the first bar before catching the second. If she tries to hold on to both, one hand on each, all momentum stops. The first bar isn't going anywhere, and neither is the second. And probably her shoulders hurt from the effort of holding on to those two bars. Is there a moment when it could all go wrong and she falls, unable to hold on to either bar? Of course. Of course there is. In fact, she knows this and has accepted the risk. There's a net And in our lives, that would be the planning and preparing. But the trapeze artist has to let go. And we can learn from that. Our next trapeze, our next bar to fly, is being sent to us by the universe. But we'll never catch it if we don't let go of the first one. And if we fall, we can continue to practice. But we can't live half in, half out, clinging to what is at the expense of what can be. I mean, this isn't just true of physical and emotional situations, but of our spiritual path as well. Until we let go of old beliefs, new beliefs are tough to catch. Holding on to beliefs, holding on to moments, holding on to ideas of should and shouldn't, this is all part of why we practice a parigraha those beliefs create a cage holding us in place because we can't grow or learn. If we're holding on, we cling to the things we think make us who we are ideas that we hold the identities. We cling to the things that we think we need. We can cling to our jobs because we use what we do to define who we are. We're, uh, Human doing instead of a human being, as the old phrase from acting class goes. We spend our time trying to create a moment, an environment, create people who we think will fill us up, that will bring us peace and contentment. And then, when we do, we hold on to it like it will never happen again. And it won't. Because that's the thing about moments and peace and happiness It has to be experienced newly again and again. Not in the same way it was before, since that moment, even seconds ago. Since that moment, things have changed. The rush of the possession, of acquiring the possession is fading even as it's starting. What we hold on to turns around and holds on to us, keeping us in place. Constantly overpacking for life bags and bags of material goods, expectations, limiting beliefs, disappointments, fears, ideas, identities, all because we might need them for something someday. The practice of aparigraha, the fifth and final yama, asks us to pack lightly for life. And it is a practice to be sure. So, if the idea fills you with a low-level anxiety, like it does me sometimes, let's just take a deep breath together. Then we can let go of that breath, knowing that another is on the way. Just like with all the things we cling to in life. This week, what can we start to let go of? Any little thing. Just to get the practice in, to feel that release, that tiny step closer to freedom? <laughs> Is there an overpacked, metaphorical bag that you can leave this week? The next trapeze bar will be so much easier to catch if we're not weighed down by physical, emotional, and mental possessions. So that concludes our series on the yamas, ahimsa, satya, ashteya, brahmacharya, and aparigraha, a few basic ethical practices that we can start to incorporate into our lives as we walk down our spiritual path, or, or even just our regular path through life. While these practices are designed to prepare our bodies and minds for spiritual growth, they'll also make our here and now more rewarding and fulfilling. No growth needed. That's one of the incredible things about the Yamas and Niyamas. They have so many levels that they work for everyone, no matter what we're looking for. They provide guidance and a gentle nudge in the right direction to avoid harm to ourselves and others, to finding our unique, authentic selves without taking away from anyone else, to create abundance in the world instead of making it smaller and greedier, enjoying life fully without the sickness that excess brings, and feeling closeness and intimacy and joy without attaching to things or ideas or expectations. I love the yamas because they act as pillars, holding up a solid, responsible relationship with the world there's no need for perfection or performance just practice and so much exploration the invitation to fully understand myself and for you to understand yourself and for us to understand how we relate to each other and to everyone else and the choice inherent in them everyone makes a decision And I don't have to judge anyone or force anyone to follow this path. I only have to concern myself with myself. And then when society or people in my life try to challenge or change me, I have these strong ethical pillars to help keep me where I want to be. And I have a good understanding of where I want to be. And the same can be true for you if you want it to be, however you want it to be. Thank you so much for letting me share those with you over the past few weeks. We will keep practicing together. Remember to join me on Instagram for the Zaya events. We'll be giving away a few things this week. Um, you can find me at Your Chakra Coach. And as always, if you'd like to contribute to the mission of this show and help me bring it to you every week, you can always join the Patreon page. I appreciate every single one of you listening. We're changing our personal worlds, both internal and external, and the ripple effect of that cannot be underestimated. Remember that a change inside is a change outside. We are actively creating the world that we want to live in through our work here every week. I love you all, and I hope you have a fantastic day. Bye.